0: and welcome to this week's class and um the title is the ultimate communal seder subtitle bringing righteousness and repentance together so um, let's start as always with a modern day issue what is the modern day issue we're going to learn from this mystical lecture and it's all about an internal wholesomeness So each and every one of us have righteousness, and each and every one of us has repentance to do. King Solomon in Ecclesiastic says, For there is no righteous man on earth who does good and sins not. And Isaiah states, And your people, all of them righteous. And both are true concerning each and every single one of us. Nevertheless, there are those of us who find ourselves as only one or the other. Some of us are so super hypersensitive about our shameful mistakes that we see ourselves as having no viable righteousness to ourselves, defining ourselves only as sinners with only the journey of repentance as any hope of salvation. Others see themselves as righteous Now, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but rather in a true self-evaluation, they find themselves to be organized, logical, and decent. And for them, they see the journey of spirituality to be only that of a logical, day-by-day, steady growth, with no need for any irrational leaps of faith and commitment as the service of Teshuba. Both are lacking in seeing their true wholesomeness, which mandates a dual journey in their relationship with God. Without embracing our duality, we will always lack in our wholesomeness, and thus in our inner peace. In this lecture, we will explore the mystical dimensions of Passover, teaching us of having a personal inner communal Passover Seder, inviting all of who we individually are, the righteous and the repentant within us, to the event. Now, this lecture is based on a Mimer, a mystical teaching of the Rebel Blessed Memory, delivered on this Shabbat, 1969, exploring a specific detail about the Passover sacrifice. Why is it that s- Specifically, the Passover sacrifice can be brought either from a lamb or from a goat with no biblical preference at all. And we're going to delve into this mystically, seeing what the Passover sacrifice is mystically, what the goat is mystically, what the lamb, the sheep is mystically, and why we can use either. Now, let's have some introductions two introductions. Number one, this week's Torah portion, we take out two Sefer Torahs and two Torah scrolls. In the first we read the regular annual cycle, the closing two portions of the book of Exodus. And in the second Torah, being that this Shabbat is the Shabbat before Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month of Nisan, the month in which we have the holiday of Passover, we read a special portion called HaChodesh. Now the portion HaChodesh is actually very interesting. It starts off with the commandment of setting Rosh Chodesh. What does this mean? Simply the Jewish calendar is set upon the lunar orbit. An interesting detail is that even though Rosh Hashanah starts the Jewish calendar year, Nevertheless, it is the month of Nisan that starts the month of the year. Now because of this, that means that Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the Jewish calendar year, is actually the first day of the seventh month of the Jewish calendar year. So we have the specific mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh, which follows the birth of the new moon, and to make this month of Nisan as the first month in the month cycles of the year. Then the portion goes on to talk about the commandment of the sacrifice, the Passover sacrifice. Now what is unique is about the Passover sacrifice, that each and every Jew is to participate in the Passover sacrifice and to eat from the Passover sacrifice. We don't have this in any other holiday sacrifice. We don't have this in any other sacrifice at all, that everyone has to bring their own sacrifice, everyone has to partake in it. Normally we have communal sacrifices, which means that a sacrifice is bought from the communal um, uh, account in the Holy Temple. And that one or whichever amount of sacrifices we had to do for the communal holiday would suffice for everyone. Not so with the Passover sacrifice. Everyone, every family has to bring their own. Now, what happens here is, and I will read to you the verse, you shall have a perfect male lamb in its first year. You may take it either from the sheep or from the goats. Our commentaries tell us that lamb here simply means a young. It doesn't mean specifically from the sheep family. Also a young goat is called a lamb. And on this night, they shall eat the flesh roasted over the fire, and matzot with bitter herbs they shall eat. So we see clearly here that this is the only sacrifice which the Torah allows for an equal choice to use either a sheep or a goat. What we are going to explore here is the mystical meaning behind the goat, the sheep, and why they are both equally applicable specifically to the Passover sacrifice. With this, we will find a common denominator between Rosh Chodesh, which is the beginning of the portion, and Passover, and the commandment of taking a Passover sacrifice. Um, Another one introduction, which is interesting to understand. Before getting into the mysticism of the goat and the sheep, we'd like to understand a statement of our sages which says, and I quote, Said Rabbi Shimon, there isn't a single herb or spice that doesn't have a constellation in the firmaments that smacks it and tells it to grow. What this simply means is that every single grass, every blade of grass, every spice, every herb has a spiritual source through which it receives its sustenance and growth. Now, this connection between the spiritual source and the physical vegetation, grass, is two ways. Number one, the physical grass, vegetation, receives its sustenance and power of growth from its spiritual source. But on the other hand, it is also that anything that we use this specific blade of grass, vegetation, whatever it may be from the plant world, whatever we use from it in a service to God and mitzvot, by making a blessing on it, using it to help another, feeding another, anything that we do with this blade of grass will consequently have an impact on its spiritual source. So it's both from above to below, giving sustenance, and also from below to above that we can affect it. Now, this is what the Zohar states upon the verse, and I quote you a verse from Psalms in chapter 104. It says, He causes grass to sprout for the animals and vegetation for the work of man to bring forth bread from the earth. Now, that's a verse in Psalms. The Holy Zohar says upon this, from a mystical perspective, that Chatzir, which is the Hebrew word in the verse for grass, and Asev, which is the Hebrew word in the verse for vegetation, are actually two types of angels, which are the angels that provide for the grass and the vegetation, and are affected by the service for God with which we use this grass and vegetations. Thus, the Zohar is telling us that hidden within the very name of grass and the very name of vegetations in the verse that tells us that God causes it to grow is hidden the name of the two spiritual sources, i.e. the angels, which are the mazal of these grass and vegetations, which make them grow and which in turn are affected by our service to God through these blades of grass and vegetation. Thus, we actually are taught, I'm going to share this with you briefly, we're actually taught that why are there two categories of angels? Because in depth they're defined by the difference between the grass, which just grows wildly on its own, while vegetation being the process of careful plowing, sowing, etc. Now why are they two different types of angels who represent two different types of service? That which is kind of just, you know, doing it, versus that which is done with exertion and energy? It's because they have two different impacts in the effect upon the angels. One, that which comes from just natural doing without effort and exertion, That feeds, so to speak, that's the words that uh, the Kabbalah uses, it feeds the spiritual source. However, being that it's done without effort and exertion, it does not impact the influence of the spiritual divine giving to our world. It's just a service through which we affect and grow the spiritual realms, the spiritual source. However, that which we do in service of exertion and commitment and effort, that creates an overflow of the spiritual worlds, which later impacts and brings sustenance to the physical worlds. Thus, there are two different groups of angels because there are two different groups of service of us in our service to God, which has two different impacts upon the effect of our service from the spiritual sources to our physical world. So what we're just sharing in this introduction is to understand that everything that exists in the physical world has its spiritual source in the spiritual worlds. This spiritual source creates two things. A. It is the source of sustenance and growth in the physical. And, on the other hand, through serving God with the physical, we have an impact and an effect on the spiritual service, on the spiritual source, in the spiritual realms, which in turn then brings us greater divinity, greater sustenance in our physical world. Now, The reason we talk about this is because the same applies to the animal kingdom, which is why sacrifices of animals have such a mystical impact upon us. And now let us see. So, we're going to begin the lecture, as you know. I always begin with giving a list of uh, different mystical concepts we're going to talk about and then bring it all together and most importantly then discuss how to deal with our modern-day issue which in this lecture is the focus of finding and accepting our wholesomeness through which we can experience true and complete inner peace so what are we going to be talking about we're going to be talking about a understanding sacrifices B What is it about the sheep-burnt offering and the goat-sin offering? C. We're going to discuss Passover in Repentance and in Righteousness. We're going to talk about Rosh Chodesh in Repentance and in Righteousness. And then finally, we're going to talk about the Passover Sacrifice in Repentance and in Righteousness, from which we'll then understand a practical way of living to find true inner peace. Okay, let's start with the first. Let the amazement of Hasidus begin, my friends. So, understanding sacrifices. Kabbalah and Hasidus want to understand how can an animal sacrifice create an atonement for the human being. We bring a sin offering by bringing an animal to the altar in the Holy Temple, back in the day of the Holy Temples. And what did we do then? We accomplished and received atonement. Kapara, Kabbalah and Hasidists want to know how would this work? How by offering a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice onto the altar, do we receive atonement? Now the Kabbalistic and Hasidic approach and question to understand this is on the mystical level and therefore the explanation is on a mystical level and in order to understand this we're going to need to understand that In Kabbalah and in Hasidus, there exist two different realms of worlds. One world is called Tohu, chaos, and the other world is called Tikkun, orderliness. Now, why is Tohu called Tohu, chaos? Because of the infinite chaotic power of the light, which is to be closed, it is closed, within very fragile vessels which which vessels which causes a a turbulence and later a shattering and it's in a chaotic experience the world tikkun is called orderly tikkun because in the world of tikkun there is the contracted light so that we have a linear finite experience which closes itself within far coarser, thicker vessels. And thus the experience is one of balance, one of orderliness. Now, speaking of the spiritual source, the realm of Tohu, chaos, is the source of the animal kingdom, while Tikkun is the realm and the source of the human soul. Why is it so? Because the human being is all about the orderliness in our emotional reactions to things. There is the mind which it controls and it regulates the heart, uh, meaning that when we want to emotionally react with rage or whatever it may be that would be chaotic, the human experience is that the mind has the capacity to soothe, to calm, to bring into logic and rationale what our emotional response should be. While the animal it experiences a chaos in its emotions of rage and so forth and so on, and that is it brings about its mighty strength, which is far superior than the human. However, it is chaotic. Thus, on the one hand, we have the virtue of the human however the human is contracted it is balanced in the sense that it is weaker finite linear while the animal kingdom in its source tohu is infinite circular and it is powerful and chaotic thus kabbalah hasidus explain once the human being has impacted negatively by creating a compromise, a whole, a lacking peace through our sin in our tikkun realm of orderliness, therefore it is through rising up into experiencing the circular infinite chaotic experience of tohu through which we can then we can then amend and we can then fill that which we have caused to be lacking through our sin. Thus, from the Kabbalistic experience, the human being in himself being of finite linear orderliness cannot mend that which we have affected negatively, that which we have broken in the world of orderliness. Thus, we need to experience the animal realm, the the infinite, the circular, that which can fix the linear. And thus our sages tell us that it isn't just about bringing an animal onto the altar, but rather it talks about the importance of the individual bringing the sin offering to be able to connect and experience that it is he who is emotionally and spiritually going through the entire process of the sacrifice which the animal is physically going through, which allows the human being to then thrust himself into the infinite circular power of teshuva, which, repentance, with which he brings the power of tohu into his tikkun experience and can amend and atone for his sins. Now. That we understand that, I want to share with you the specific details of the sacrifices. And here's where we're going to get involved with the specific goat sacrifices and the specific sheep sacrifices. So, Maimonides tells us in the laws of the sacrifices, he tells us something very interesting that there is no sin offerings from a sheep and that there is no burnt offerings, communal burnt offerings from a goat. Now the question is, why? Why is it that sin offerings have to come from the goat, while communal burnt offerings have to come from the sheep? To understand this, I want to tell you, take you to an interesting story in the Talmud. The Talmud and Tractic, Shabbos, page 77, side B, says as follows. Rabbi Zaira found Rabbi Yehuda, who was standing at the entrance of his father-in-law's house, and observed, Rabbi Zaira observed, that he, Rabbi Yehuda, was in an especially cheerful mood. And Rabbi Zaira understood that, were he to ask Rabbi Yehuda about anything in the entire world, Extraordinary things, not just halachic things. He would tell him the answer. He therefore posed to him on a variety of topics unrelated to halacha, and he asked question number one. It goes on to a couple of questions. I just want to share the first question. Why do goats walk in front of the flock and then ewes follow? That was his question. So Rabbi Yehuda answered him. He said to him, it is just as it was in creation of the world, which at first was dark and then light, which means goats, which are typically black, precede the ewes, which are typically white. Now, Rabbi Yehuda, what he was referring to was that the verse says, It was the evening and it was the morning, darkness before light. The Jewish day starts at night, and then flows over into the day. Thus, because creation began with the evening before the morning, i.e. darkness before light, so that has the impact upon the flock that the black, the goats, walk in front of the ewes, the sheep, white. Now, this seems to be just a simple story, and we need to understand why would the Talmud even document this? However, I want to share with you that the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus tell us that the deepest secrets of the Talmud lie specifically in Agadah. Now, what Agadah is, it's the homiletic teachings, such as the one that we just experienced. So, let us see what is the mystical secrets behind the goat representing darkness, night, and the sheep representing light, whiteness, daytime. So, what it really means is, according to Kabbalah, that day refers to the light, being that there is the illumination of, and I want to quote verse words, so to speak, of a verse in Psalms, which refers to light in a spiritual way as sun is the illumination of God. While night refers to the darkness where there is no sun illumination of God. Now what this means is that night, darkness, refers to the exile and specifically the exile upon our godly soul, the peace of God within us which is in an exile of the body and the animalistic soul, not allowing for the selfless, spiritual illumination of the soul into our thoughts, speech and actions. Rather, we find the exile of the soul within the arrogance, the self-centeredness of the animalistic soul and our body. And this exile of the soul within the body is precisely the source and potential of sin. This is why the sin offerings are from goats, which reflect the which at first was dark, the goat which are typically black. Thus the offerings of goats represent the Baal Teshuvah Repented. Now let's talk about the burnt offerings. Burnt offerings are not brought as a sin offering. It is brought as a donation, as a gift, as communal sacrifices, but not for sins. They come from sheep, right? And therefore they represent the white, the light. It's not about sins. They represent the orderly continuous service of the righteous. As with as the daily olas tamid that we're taught every single day, we start and finish the service in the temple with a burnt offering of a sheep. And thus the offering of a sheep represents the tzaddik, the righteous. So we have now an understanding that in the spiritual level every animal has a spiritual source the spiritual source of the goat which is why it's physically dark, black is the service of teshuva repentance from engaging with the other side the dark side while the sheep in the spiritual source being white It represents the service, the orderly, continual service of the righteous. Now, let's talk about Passover in repentance and in righteousness. So, now we'll understand the dualism and the wholesomeness of Passover. How so? So, there's an interesting mystical teaching in the famous Kabbalah book of Rab Chaim Vital, who was the superior student of the holy Ari Kadosh from Isaac Luria. And he writes in the gateway of the holiday of Matzot, Passover, in chapter one, he writes something fascinating. He writes that the generation of the Jewish people in Egypt, the slavery, the Jews that experienced the slavery in Egypt, they were the reincarnation of the generation that built the Tower of Babel. Interesting. This is why, he explains, the slavery of the Jews in Egypt were primarily with bricks and mortar. Why? Because let's look what the sin of the Tower of Babel was. The verse states in Genesis chapter 11, verse 3, where it tells us the uh, the story of how the sin of building the the, uh, Tower of Babel, and the verse says as follows, And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and fire them thoroughly. So the bricks were to them for stones and the clay was to them for mortar. So the sin of the, the tower of Babel came about through bricks and mortar. Thus the slavery of Egypt upon the Jews, which was the tikkun, the correction and the repentance of the sin of the Tower of Babel because they were the same souls that reincarnated. Thus the slavery was once again through bricks and mortar. Now from this we understand that the experience of the exile of Egypt, part of the Passover story, was all about tikkun. It was about teshuvah, repentance. On the other hand, Our sages tell us, the Talmud tells us, that when we left Egypt, we were like converts that converted, which in turn, the Talmud tells us, a convert who converts is like a child that was born. Thus, the Exodus of Egypt was the experience of a spiritual clean slate with no residue of the past. At that point, we were the experience of the righteous. So we see that Passover too has the dual, which brings the wholesomeness, the duality, which brings the wholesomeness, in which we have both the experience of righteousness and the experience of teshuvah, repentance. Now, let's go ahead and see that Rosh Chodesh, which is how the portion of Passover begins with, the commandment of Rosh Chodesh is the opening and preceding commandment to the Passover sacrifice. So what do we find by Rosh Chodesh? On the one hand, Rosh Chodesh needs to have the Eve of Rosh Chodesh. What happens on the night before Rosh Chodesh, before the the, the 24 hours before Rosh Chodesh, There is the absolute concealment and darkness of the old moon. Rosh Chodesh itself is the experience of the birth of the new moon. The darkness and concealment of the old moon is the experience of teshuva. It is the experience of repentance. While then, the birth of the absolute new moon is the experience of righteousness. Thus here too in Rosh Chodesh, the first mitzvah that the Torah gives us which precedes the commandment of Passover is all about experiencing the duality of who we are in our wholesomeness, righteousness and repentance. Let's continue. The Passover sacrifice in repentance and righteousness. So now we understand that the Passover sacrifice has the, represents the communal wholesomeness of our people and of each and every one of us individually. And that's why we have the equal choice of bringing a goat, which is the black, darkness, repentance, and of the sheep, which is the white, light, righteousness. Because we have those both within us, as we will soon see in the closing. Now, So, too, in the very commandment that God gave to that generation, telling them to take the animal into their homes five days before Passover, whatever they're going to use for the Passover sacrifice in that generation. In Egypt, God said, We'll soon see what that means. Bring it into your house. They were to tie it to their bedpost for five days to have the animal in the house. Now, how does the verse talk? The verse says as follows, and I'm going to read it to you again from uh, the portion of Hachodesh, which is called Hachodesh, which is Exodus 12, chapter 12. This specific verse is verse 21. It's actually the verse after the Hachodesh. Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw forth, Mishchu, or take for yourself, Khu." Sheep for your families and slaughter the Passover sacrifice. Now the Medrish wants to understand why the double language, draw forth or take for yourselves. Simply simply speaking, by the way, Rashi tells us that simply speaking, he's telling you, if you have, take from your own. If you don't have, buy. But the Medrish has a beautiful insight into those two words. Draw for. Mishchu or khu, take, and it says as follows, what the verse is telling us, draw forth, what does that mean? Draw yourself away from idolatry, repentance, and take for yourselves, what does that mean? Take my commandment, take the Passover sacrifice, a new righteous way of life. So even in the way we approached taking the sacrifice, We had to embrace the wholesomeness that we have two sides of us. One that mandates the service of repentance, we all have that within us. And one that mandates the service of righteousness, we all have that within us. And thus, Passover, in which we become a nation unto God, encompasses both services, that of repentance and that of righteousness the goat, that of repentance, the sheep, that of righteousness. In closing, finding wholesomeness of self is very important. Let us understand the wholesomeness of self that God is asking of us to embrace. Each and every one of us is a tale of two souls. We each have within us the godly soul, which is righteous and pure. It is a piece of God, it is absolute righteousness, and we have that each and every one of us has a godly soul within us. Likewise, we each have within us the animalistic soul, which drives us to indulge in self-centeredness and arrogance. Thus, each and every one of us have the dual journey of righteousness and of repentance. And to be willing to only see ourselves as one or the other, or to be willing to only travel the path of one or the other, is to deny the wholesomeness and complexity of who we each are. Thus, the Torah sets forth for us two coexisting paths of service. On the one hand, we have what is called in our Shabbat services, we use these wordings: the tmidim kisidram daily burnt offerings according to their order, which is the orderly and the continual service, the righteous path. But we also have musafim kehilchatan musaf, which means additional, extraordinary offerings according to the rule, which is the extraordinary and trans- orderly service, the path of teshuvah. Encompassing both of these paths in our service to God is how we embrace our wholesomeness and how we find true inner peace. In other words, don't define your entire self as only that which is half of yourself. We're neither all righteous and we're neither all sinner. We're a bit of both which allows us to have this dual journey of orderly growth, righteousness, and extraordinary teshuvah, repentance. Thank you.